welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie, and with me this week is Mr. Jerry Me. What's going on, man? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's we just got kind of got dumped on with the snow here. I know. I had to work today. The entire city was empty, but I I sat in the office and I braved the storm because because that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you get a lot of work done today, Jerry? No, I didn't actually have any work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, I read some magic articles. <laughs> <laughs> you were productive. Yeah, I was productive. From a certain point of view, yeah. I had a similar day where I came into work at 6, set up my stuff, and then at, at 11.30 I was told, we're closing early today, break it all down. So I broke it down, and uh, it was uh, it was uh, a waste <laughs> of my time. Today was a huge waste <laughs> of my time. I got one phone call from a client. And like I answer the phone and they they're surprised like oh <laughs> what 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 are you doing in the office and I'm like I'm I'm working today oh I I was just gonna leave you a voicemail you should go home <laughs> have you seen the roads are you kidding me <laughs> yeah, I know right I'm like nope I have to work <laughs> so Jerry what's the over under on the amount of minutes that a snowblower drowns you out in this recording tonight <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with zero I'm I'm in a different residence now. <laughs> I'm on the second floor. Oh, that helps. That helps. Yeah, that helps. That helps. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. All right, so let's get started. So, Jerry, I didn't have too much to talk about with Legacy this week. Um, I played in the Community Legacy League, went 2-2, had a kind of mediocre finish, but you went to PAX East, and so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about PAX? Yeah, it was my first time going. Uh, for those who don't know, PAX East is uh, Penny Arcade Expo. Uh, they do it in Boston every year, and they also do it in, like, I think San Francisco and Melbourne. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, like Comic-Con. It's like a big, con- like, geek convention. But uh, it's focused on games. So video games, board games, card games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was my first time going, and I thought it was, like, it was really cool. Like, there was a lot of really cool stuff to do they had like virtual reality set up and they had a bunch of switches set up so you could you know test out the new nintendo switch and then they had um like a bunch of computers that you could just try all sorts of different games like games that haven't even come out yet and then they had just like a board game checkout station where it was just a bunch of tables and they had every board game you could possibly imagine and you would just check it out library style Hmm. and you could just play the game interesting um, so lots of really cool stuff to do, but my problem with it was they way oversold it. So I went on Sunday, uh, which is supposed to be the slow day and you just like walk into the convention center and you're immediately just shoulder to shoulder with people. Like you can't, you can't even like walk down the, the walkways because there are so many people and people are just like queuing up in lines. Like I would just turn a corner <laughs> And it'd be like thirty people all standing in a line for like uh like a big sectioned off with black curtains. Like, what are you guys waiting for? Uh, I don't know. Just yeah, everyone's waiting in this line, so it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like to kind of put it in perspective, I was there for seven hours and I got to try out two video games and a board game. Oh man, that feels like it sucks. Yeah. So they just it it. It would be really, really cool, but the fact that I went on what was supposed to be the last day in the slow day, and it was, like, unbearably overcrowded, oh, they man. just, you know, I get it, they have to make back their cost, you know, these things aren't cheap to run, but I don't I don't think I would go back to it unless it was in, like, someplace bigger or someplace that, you know, sold fewer tickets. Mm-hmm. Which, it sucks, because, you know, it sucks not being able to go to these things if you want to go to them. Right. But it's almost to the point where it's not even enjoyable. That, I've heard that about PAX is that it's it, well, aside from the the amount of magic you used to be able to play there, it is. Uh, I, don't, I don't do well with crowds. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. I didn't really see very much magic at all. Um, gaming etc. was there. I got to say hi to Aaron. He was working the gaming etc. booth. And then other than that, there was like. One other shop that was really selling just, like, accessories rather than cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that was it for Magic. Huh. 
Um, I saw the, I saw a Hearthstone booth, and I was happy to say that you, there was basically no line for the Hearthstone booth. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you think about it, I mean, it's like Hearthstone's this game that's been out for uh, you know a couple years now, so it's not really uh, that desirable. But like, I wanted to try out the Nintendo Switch. And I went over and it was a three hour wait to try out the Nintendo Jeez. Switch. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to a Best Buy and use one of their <laughs> demo stands. I'm not going to wait three hours to, to play this. <laughs> um, I am bummed. I wanted to try out like just basically any of the virtual reality games. And every single one just had a ridiculously long, uh, long line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted, uh, there was, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, virtual Rickality. <laughs> uh, I did get to watch someone play it, and it just involved them doing laundry. <laughs> just straight up doing laundry. <laughs> like, opening the, la- opening the dryer, putting the laundry in, <laughs> pouring some detergent, putting the detergent in, closing it, and, like, pushing a button. <laughs> And it was it was uncanny, but but still enjoyable. Looked like fun. <laughs> uh, so I mean, cool things to do, but there could be some improvements. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like a lot of people. I like to live in those in the sticks where I am. Like going to GPs is about as many people as want as I want to be around. Yeah, I mean, the more people you expose yourselves to, the more likely it is someone's going to recognize you from the wanted posters. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want. I don't yeah. want any part of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's odds. You need to protect it. <laughs> oh man, so PAX was fun, but you want to do it again, kind of thing. Uh, I'd go for free. Like if I volunteered with a booth or something like mm-hmm. that, I'd go. But I wouldn't pay the you know fifty to seventy dollar entry fee to yeah. wait in line. <laughs> seems a little crazy. Yeah. Alright, well, um, alright, yeah, so I don't, like I said, I didn't have too much to add, uh, as far as my weekend legacy, but, um, we do kind of have a cool topic tonight, uh, something that we've talked about a bit on the page, um, we've kind of come up with it, um, a few different times when we talk about, uh, you know, making card choices in your decks, uh, throughout the lifespan of this, this cast, but I want to make a, make our main topic today, metagame card choices, um, and so, kind of what brought this up was, uh, after writing up my tor- tournament report for the TJ's Titanium event a couple weeks ago, I posted it to the source and uh, our Facebook group as well, and I had a lot of people asking me um, on both places about the choice of Storm Chaser Mage. Um, many thought a card like Young Pyromancer could be better, um, allowing the deck to kind of go wide. Um, this was mainly in a response to the emergence of Fatal Push. Uh, so, this week... Kind of want to discuss what we look at when making card choice decisions. Uh, this applies to any format. We're going to focus on legacy, obviously, but you know this is something. This is a similar system that I use when I make when I was making card choices in um, in standard. It's going to be applied to any really any format that you're playing. Um, and we're not going to focus just on on blue red Delver, but we're going to kind of go over it in the broad sense because that was the that's sort of what brought the topic up. Um, so Jerry, you're someone who makes a lot of changes to like a quote unquote, like <laughs> meta, meta deck, you know, you've done it with, for, for better or worse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but that's, that's part of what this is, right? Is that you, yeah. you know, you're kind of making these changes and it, I mean, these decks don't get settled on by just, they, they're not put together perfectly. No one figures out the perfect 75, the first go around. They are <laughs> brewed and tested and, and pieces are replaced and, and, and it takes a long time to get these decks really, really tight to a tight, you know, everyone's playing the similar 58 of 60 cards in the main deck, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, it also depends on, in Legacy, the age of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain decks that have more refinement to them just for the sheer fact that they've been popular decks for longer. Mm-hmm. So it just has that many more hours of you know, testing put behind that deck compared to something like Black Red Reanimator, which is fairly new Mm -hmm. and still has some refinements that can be made in order to, you know, I I don't think any deck has found the perfect 60. I almost don't think the perfect 60 exists anywhere other than Magical Christmas Lands, but there are definitely decks that are closer to the perfect 60 than others. I think in Legacy especially, that's apparent, that there's not a perfect 60. Um, I think that in a place like Standard, uh, you're probably getting closer to the perfect 60 cards because the 
the field that you're playing against or likely to play against is so much narrower in general, and the card choice, like the card selection, is so much narrower as well. Right. There's in standard, you know, you have what, like maybe a thousand cards that you that are only so many iterations of them. Mm-hmm. Wherein legacy, you can choose between five different one mana burn spells. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are just the, the decision tree is just much more complicated. Right. Right. So, um, so I kind of broke this down, and you know, this isn't set in stone. This is the way that I evaluate cards, and we all know that I'm not exactly a master of of brewing decks. But when I kind of sat down and and really thought about what goes into my thought process when I'm when I'm changing a deck or I'm changing a card in a deck, these are kind of the the, the choices I go through. Um, I kind of have examples for each, and we'll go into them as uh, as we see fit. Um, so the first step is kind of deciding what is the current card's function in your deck. So you've identified a card that you want to slot into your deck, and you're now you're trying to look at where it's going to fit. Um, so let's say in this case I'm looking at Storm Chaser Mage. Um, I want to look at what role is that card filling. And this seems really kind of uh, over, overly simplified and kind of uh, simple, but I think that it's, it's going to serve us well throughout this process. So uh, before we remove anything, we want to determine the role that this card's filling, uh, is the replacement able to serve the same function? Is it more or less efficient? Is it a response to a shifting meta? Um, so my like initial thoughts and something that I was going to write down on the Facebook page, but I figured it would be better served here. Uh, Storm Chaser Mage for us is a hasty, evasive beater. It synergizes very well in the blue-red prowess deck. It's tough to kill with Lightning Bolt, uh, which is a pretty a pre- still a prevalent removal spell in the format. Not as much as it used to be, but it's still around. Uh, it blocks opposing Delvers pretty well. Three toughness is important. It pitches to Force of Will, which is also always relevant, especially in that deck. Um, Young Pyromancer is a two-mana go-wide card. It's a 2-1 that can't attack past a token, which can be a problem. Uh, it does uh, produce quite a few tokens in the Prowess deck, uh, but how good are tokens in our 1-1 meta? So this is kind of the, the my thought process here when I'm sort of evaluating this card. So if we're kind of going from a level one here and looking at Storm Chaser versus Young Pyromancer, to me, I think, like... All other things set aside, Storm Chaser is probably a more powerful card. Jerry, can you tell me about a card that you've had in one of your decks where you kind of... A, a card came along where you thought it may be better in response to a, a, another card coming into the metagame? Oh, man, putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of thinking of, well, just also about the Young Pyromancer Storm Chaser made just that decision. What what sticks out to me is kind of the strategies that you want with each of those. I feel, you know, Storm Chaser Mage is when you want to just go for the throat, um, end games quickly, and Young Pyromancer is when maybe you need to buy a little time, maybe you need to, uh, you know, get around a lot of individual removal, and the tokens being pumped out helps you in the, those sort of settings. So. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel uh, with just that example that uh, you know it really depends on what I, what I want to beat that day. Right, right. Yeah, I t- I completely agree here. Um, so the other kind of main part about this question um, is what's prompting the change. So kind of identifying what's coming to the format. So for me, as a Delver player, like the card fatal push is. Not worrisome, but it's worth paying attention to, I think. We're seeing a lot of black-green X decks in the format, so Fatal Push is definitely on the rise. Um, this new card, is it is it kind of being enabled by a new synergy in the deck? Um, is this response to a change in the meta? So that's kind of what we're looking at. What's prompting the change? Uh, this is not a new card. You know, like Young Power Master's been around for a while. Um, it's not necessarily enabled by a new synergy in this deck. The deck is the same. We're just kind of uh, swapping out these two cards. Uh, but it is a response to the change to a change in the meta, which is just a better um, removal spell for for black green X decks, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Fatal Push is just better than Abrupt Decay for the most part. Right. Yeah, just because Abrupt Decay, while one of the best removal spells ever printed, is slow. It costs two. And I think that says something that that's how good Abrupt Decay is, that in a format where we have plenty of one-mana removal choices, people still choose Abrupt Decay, just because of its versatility and the fact that it's uncounterable. But against a deck like Blue-Red Delver, you just need that turn one response, otherwise you're going to start bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to kill that Delver turn one, you need to kill uh, that Storm Chaser Mage turn two, uh, that Monastery uh, Swift Spear turn one. You just need to shut the blue-red deck down, otherwise it's going to put you in the red zone and you're going to be able to finish them off with you know Price of Progresses and Lightning Bolts. Right, exactly. So, 
Yeah, I think Fatal Push is definitely a big upgrade uh, for those types of decks, you know, both Grixis and uh, the Bug decks against the Blue-Red Delver decks, uh, just because they have that easy answer now, uh, where even Storm Chaser Mage, like you said, it, it, it had some protection against Lightning Bolt. You could cast it, you know, I'm always wary Lightning Bolting a Storm Chaser Mage because I'm afraid of getting blown out with my opponent brainstorming in response. Right, totally. And, you know, uh, the other thing, too, and we kind of kind of going back to the first part here, um, one thing that I think makes Young Pyromats are really good in a control-style deck or, let's say, like a more mid-range deck like uh, Grixis Delver or Four-Color Delver is that uh, that, that has a lot of synergies with other cards in the deck, things like uh, Cabal Therapy. Um, you know, being able to go wide and, and get free Cabal Therapies is very important in that deck. Um, in in Young Pyromancer, to me, is not necessarily an aggressive card in the format that we're in right now. Really? So, I'm sorry, you said you don't think Young Pyromancer is the ch- card of choice in the format right now? No, no, I just don't think it's in a, in a, as aggressive as, as uh, oh, Stormbuster yes. Mage. Yeah, no, for sure it's not as aggressive, but what I like about Young uh, Pyromancer in the meta of today is because of Fatal Push being a single-point removal spell, um, I feel I... Uh, am better off casting a young pyromancer and then the next turn swinging in w- and making a token rather than casting a storm chaser mage casting a spell getting prowess and then getting it uh fatal pushed off the field mm-hmm. and then at least if they're fatal pushing the young pyromancer i'm getting a token out of the uh, exchange right which is really interesting because how how useful is a 1-1 token in this meta I think it's probably not as useful, especially because we see, again, with the rise of Black Green X decks, we're going to see a lot of uh, Deathrite Shamans, which is just doom and gloom for a for a one one. That token. is true. Yeah. No, Deathrite. Sh- yeah. Why is Deathrite Shaman a one two? <laughs> <laughs> like there have been many uh, many situations where just the one two makes the world of difference. Right. <laughs> um, and and again, and that's I think it's also relevant because a card. Uh, the deck that we're talking about Fatal Push that's going to be in, Deathrite Shaman is also going to be right next to Fatal Push. Um, and on the flip side of that, uh, a deck where Young Pyromancer does really well, again, in Grixis Delver, Four Color Delver, is a deck that's going to allow you to um, uh, mana ramp past your opponent. So, ideally, in a in a, the Grixis Delver deck, you want to go like turn one Deathrite Shaman, turn two Young Pyromancer, and a spell. Mm-hmm. And in the prowess deck, the chance of that happening, going turn two Deathrite Shaman and a spell, are slim to none. Unless you're playing a Daze or a Force of Will, you're not going to get the value out of that token. And I think that that's a major point in this deck, is that, you know, Young Pyromancer and Grixis, if you didn't have Deathrite Shaman available to you, it probably wouldn't be as strong of a card. But it synergizes well with the deck because it's allowing you to get immediately value out of that two mana that you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas Storm Chaser Mage is getting you that value because it's able to attack right away, so it's a deal with me card right now. I think that's part of the um, part of the uh, uh, selling point of that card is that because it has haste, because it's able to, because it's evasive, it's a deal with me card now. Whereas Young Pyromancer deal is a deal with me card now because it's able to go wide. Um, mm-hmm. So they're they're both cards that you ha- that have to be dealt with fairly quickly because otherwise they can get out of hand. Uh, but they are they are important to be dealt with for different reasons and they they work on different a different axis from each other mm-hmm. um so the another part um that we're kind of talking about we've sort of already bled into this is it worth changing our uh, our deck so um you know we could swap out young pyromancer for uh or, or we could swap out storm chaser mage for young pyromancer fairly easily in that deck you know it's, it's a three of in the deck um it would Again, reduce our blue count by by three spots, um, which is important when we consider that we're playing Force of Will in that deck. Um, but it would slot in fairly easily. Um, it does not synergize as well with the prowess mechanic because it's not nearly as aggressive. But again, it, it does go wide, so those are things that we can that we can kind of think of there. So Jerry, um, here's something that I thought of when I was kind of writing up these notes: is that you you made a, a pretty big uh, push at putting like a Nahiri um, and running like a white splash in show and tell so can you, can you mm-hmm. kind of tell us about your thought process as why you wanted to add the white splash into the typical just uh blue red uh sneaker show yeah definitely um i with those sorts of changes it it's kind of a natural progression almost an evolution of the deck over time where when if you play a deck long enough 
you start to get very comfortable with the deck and you decide to kind of start pushing the boundaries of it, seeing what is it that this deck can do. Um, so with Sneak and Show, I started off, you know, realizing, okay, in my sideboard, I want another way to win the game so that when they bring in their hate cards against me, um, I'll still have a way to win if they, they have a Pything Needle on Sneak Attack and a Meddling Mage naming uh, Show and Tell. Mm-hmm. How am I going to win the game in those sorts of situations? Um, and with it, uh, you looking at the mana base of Sneak and Show, I know I wanted to stay with the, you know, explosiveness of the mana base. Like, one of the biggest strengths of Sneak and Show is that not only does it put a fatty into play, it ramps into it as it's casting three and four drop spells, the four drop spell needing another mana, making it a five drop to activate. Um, so with that, that's something that a lot of legacy decks don't really do very well. You know, it's mm-hmm. saying a deck like, uh, you know, Delver or any of the mid-range decks, it's going to be a while before they get up to, uh, five mana. So that's... Especially mm-hmm. in a Wasteland meta, right? Especially in a Wasteland meta, exactly. So I want to put those kind of explosive, uh, three, four, five drops, uh, into play, uh, to really, you know take advantage of, of the deck's natural strengths. So that kind of led me to three drops that, uh, you know, cost two and then a color of that choice, either, you know, preferably red or blue, but I wanted to do experiment. I had some small tournaments that didn't really matter that much, and I, you know, I could just play with the deck a bit. So I tried Monastery Mentor because it was just the, the new hotness. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. You know, cons had just come out, uh, Miracles was adopting it, and it was just a crazy card uh, that was making a lot of waves. Mm-hmm. So... You know, putting that in the deck, I just wanted to experiment. That's, that's I feel, is where a lot of these um, original metagame choices come from. People have a problem, and they want to come up with a solution, so they just start trying things. Um, so that's that's kind of what led me to, you know, splashing the white and adding the Monastery Mentor, which then, you know, leads down an entire other path of deck choices where you take out the Gitaxian probes and you add Sensei's Divining Top because it helps you find your combo, but you can also loop them with a Monastery Mentor and play just tap top, draw the other top, tap drop, repeat, uh, casting it, triggering Monastery Mentor every time you uh, cast the uh, the Sensei's Divining Tops and just pump out a bunch of tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, you know, adding the white splash, maybe you want to try Nahiri because Nahiri also combos, uh, with the deck. So I, I feel a lot of it's just finding, you know, synergies with the deck, uh, that kind of can lead you down a different path. Right. And again, it's something that you saw, I mean, this was also in response to a meta that was stricken with Eldrazi, correct? Yes. Yeah. Eldrazi was the, you know, new game in town. Everyone was playing Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. So this was in response to that as well. So that's, that's a good point. And Nahiri was also a fairly new card, so you were kind mm-hmm. of working on a few different reasons here to warp the deck and try to something new. Right. And ultimately, I, I've moved away from it just because I feel the mana conditions aren't right anymore. You know, that's the meta has shifted, so I've also shifted my deck list. Leovold got printed. Suddenly, everyone's playing greedy three-color decks with, you know, Deathrite Shamans. Uh, trying to ramp people out, and these decks can really be disrupted by Blood Moon. So I decided I didn't want to give up Blood Moon in my sideboard because I'm splashing white in my main deck. Right. So that's why I've come back to the blue-red deck uh, in response to kind of the changes in the meta. We don't see as much Eldrazi anymore. I don't really need an army of tokens to protect me while I assemble the combo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, so another part of, again, this is sort of like a five-part, <laughs> thing that we're talking about, we're changing out cards here, because I'm trying to break it down as as in the in the micro as much as we can. Because I think when you really look at it from a broad perspective, it's hard to rationalize why you're making these changes. So, um, kind of getting a little bit deeper into it. Um, uh, so, does this new card address these issues? So the issue, the the reason why we're even bringing this card in, does this new card even address the issue uh, with you know this being, for instance, in our example, Fatal Push? Does Young Pyromancer really address Fatal Push in a meaningful way? Um, I so what do you think, Jerry? I mean, uh, off the cuff, I would say in theory, just in a vacuum, yes, Young Pyromancer does. You're creating a token, so they're one for one um, removal spell. Uh, doesn't get as much value because you're still left with a 1-1, and uh, 
one ones can make or break games. But as you pointed out, not we're not in a vacuum. And in reality, the decks running Fatal Push are most likely running Deathrite Shaman, and right. Deathrite Shaman just eats one one tokens. So. Right. You know, bringing that point into play, like you brought up, Pat, I would say no, Young Pyromancer is not a response to Fatal Push in this current meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other thing, too, is that, again, because you're not ramping, uh, you're not getting any decent mana acceleration, your chances of getting that token right away once that once that Young Pyromancer resolves are very slim. So um, that's also something to consider, that we may never get to make the token, and we've been, now we've kind of taken a, a much slower, kind of different approach to our game plan, um, and it hasn't really aided us in in the the uh, ability for us to 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 win games in the back of the card. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then finally, uh, well, kind of second to last here is uh, how how is this new card against the rest of the relevant cards in the meta? And this is something that I think a lot of people don't really consider. They get kind of focused on one thing. They think about one thing and they want to address the one thing, but they don't really think um, is this. Is it prevalent enough to outweigh what what else we see out there? And so the one that I just kind of came off the top of my head, and I'm sure you'd agree here, um, the most uh, relevant kind of removal spells that we see are you know Swords to Plowshares, Terminus, Abrupt Decay, um, Lightning Bolt, and and now Fatal Push, um, Storm Chaser Mage, and Young Pyromancer both die to all of those things. And the Young Pyromancer tokens will also die to something like a Terminus. Um, a card like Engineer Explosives, uh, the Young Pyromancer tokens are terrible against that, and we're seeing Engineer Explosives in the main decks of a lot of Miracles decks. So that's another that's another uh, tool they have in their toolbox to, to mop up all these tokens uh, that isn't a Terminus. So um, I don't think that it I don't think that it is particularly strong against any of these other removal spells, um, and therefore I think that it's probably not a good reason to a good enough reason to switch the switch the storm chaser mage out for young pyromancers. Um, and uh, you know, finally, you just don't want to lose sight of the big picture that you're playing. And again, like these black green X decks are coming up. Miracles is still out there. We're still seeing. Um, you know, everything, everything else hasn't really changed as much. We're just seeing a little bit more Fatal Push, so I, it's not something I think that we need a knee-jerk reaction to. And you don't want to lose sight of the meta at a larger, kind of in a larger spectrum. Know what I think is really good in the meta right now, Pat? What's that? With all these removal spells floating around, uh, I'm surprised we're not seeing more Nimble Mongooses. Man, I, you think Rug Delver is poised for a comeback? The goose is loose. I, I mean... Actually, I own a playset. Think about it, so... Nimble Mongoose, the only removal Nimble Mongoose cares about is Terminus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that alone, I've heard Miracles players say that Mongoose makes them uh, nervous. Um, people were debating whether uh, Rug Delver would, was actually a good or bad matchup against Miracles because it's, yes, a lot of one-drops for the counterbalances, but it also has a lot of threats and Mongoose can't be answered easily. Hmm. And really interesting. You know, Eldrazi, like, so Mongoose took the backseat hard when Eldrazi was popular because it just didn't really trade well with any of the Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Thought Not Seer eats it, Reality Smasher eats it, uh, Mimic is probably never going to be a 2-1, so it's probably going to eat that, that bare minimum trade with the Mimic and probably lose to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've seen Eldrazi really fall off the, the meta quite a bit. I hardly see it anymore. And all these removal spells, these point-and-shoot removal, coupled with Leovolds, you know, if you're attacking, I, I, an opponent's going to have a hard time whether they want to trade their Leovold in order to, uh, you know, stop bleeding from the Mongoose. Mm-hmm. So even if the Mongoose is a removal for Leovold, I think that in itself is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see some uh, some geese uh, gathering in, in the near future. So maybe we see uh, an increase of the old uh, Canadian Threshold deck. Yeah. May, you know, maybe not even uh, Rug Delver. Maybe Mongoose finds its way into some of the bug lists. Sure. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be something. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting. Uh, so this is now Rug Delver is not a deck that we see around very often. Um, it used to be the terror when I came back to Legacy. Rug Delver was the deck to beat. Like you would watch a Star City Games open, and the top eight would be six Rug Delver decks. <laughs> um. So it it definitely has a long history, and that Rug Delver is a deck I would say that has been groomed and fine tuned uh, to the T. That deck has a lot of reps behind it. <laughs> All right, well, you know what I did was I just pulled up a um, a Rug Delver list because again, it's not a deck that I'm 
overly familiar with. I'd love to kind of run down the list because this is something that I think is interesting to talk about here because this is now a different deck, an entire deck that is in response to um, a changing meta. Um, so let's just run down this deck real quick because I'm sure that a lot of these guys, like a guy like Sissio, who's been playing Legacy forever, knows this deck like the back of his hand, but for me, it's something I'm not overly familiar with. Mm-hmm. This list is actually interesting because uh, compared to a stock uh uh, Canadian threshold list. Uh, there's a couple meta changes that are actually really interesting in this list uh, uh, that you pulled up. I'm looking at the one of Winter Orb in this in the main. Uh, yes, <laughs> that too. But also a couple minor things like only two Tarmgrave. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's yes. let's read the list off. All right. So um, we'll, the land package. All right. So we're looking at 18 lands. Um, four Flooded Strand, four Scalding Tarn, three Trops, three Volcanics, and four Wastelands. So pretty like standard. Nothing really exciting there. Is that what you normally see, Jerry? Yeah, that's pretty standard, depending on how brave the Rug Delver player is. Sometimes they'll shave a couple lands. The very, very brave going down to 16. Oh, I like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, 17, 18 is pretty average. Okay. Um, and we're looking at four Delver Secrets, four Nimble Mongoose, two Tarmogoyf. So, ten creatures. Uh, They're running another Tarmogoyf in the sideboard as well. Yep, so that's a little interesting. Usually it's a straight 4-4-4. Four, four, four. That's one of the things about Rug Delver. Rug Delver was one of those lists where it was just straight 4 ofs. It knew what it wanted to run. Those were the cards that made it tick, and it ran it really well. <laughs> so this is, you know, a couple tweaks and modif- modifications on it. But, yeah, originally it, it was actually Werebear. <laughs> Werebear was the uh, original choice before Tarmogoyf was printed. We've talked about that card before. <laughs> oh, where Werebear. You have the right to bear arms. <laughs> That's a great. That's so great. I love it. Best flavor text. Love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tarmogoyf ended up replacing Werebear, and the fact that they're shaving two Tarmogoyfs is very interesting to me. I'd I'd like to know what their thought process was behind that. Yeah. Um, we are looking at uh for the instance of sorceries for Brainstorm with the correct uh EMA art. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so four brainstorm. For the scorn and shame. <laughs> I, I I actually thought about just going on and seeing if I could buy like a hundred copies of you know, various Mercadian masks and uh, Ice Age brainstorms. And whenever I played an opponent running the ugly brainstorms, I would just take out a playset and give them to them. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So four brainstorm, uh, one counter spell, four days, two dismember, four force of will, four bolt. Four Ponder, one Spell Pierce, three Spell Snare, four Stifle. So this is really interesting to me, Jerry. Tell me about this package, this this Instant and Sorcery package, because there is a lot of counter magic here. Yeah, so that's kind of been uh, Rug Delver's hallmark, is play a cheap creature, protect it with counter magic, finish them off with Lightning Bolt, or clear the way with Lightning Bolt. Um, there's a couple interesting choices. So the two Dismember... Those two dismember are usually in the Tarmogoyf slot. So it looks like he shaves uh, some Tarmogoyfs in order to up his removal a bit, and he chose dismember, which is an interesting choice. I think in the land of Reality Smashers and Gurmag Anglers, it makes sense. Yeah, but... So this came. This was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Eldrazi was not that popular still. Eldrazi fell off before that. Right. Um, so I'm kind of wondering what it is that he wants to get rid of. You know, maybe it, uh, maybe it's the Gurmag Anglers. It's a response to all the Grixis uh, Delver decks because I can see this deck having trouble with Gurmag Angler. Um, that is actually my guess. Uh, was it's a, in response to Gurmag Angler. Um, the other kind of interesting flex spots is the spell pierces and spell snares mm-hmm. um it's kind of interesting he's running three spell snare yeah um <laughs> he is expecting some two drops well again is this against counterbalance yeah it, it's definitely a great card against counterbalance i mean spell snare does hit a whole lot in the meta it does. uh you know young pyromancer storm chaser mage dark confidant stoneforge mystic um there are just a lot of two drops right now uh, and just in general in Legacy. But uh, usually those those are kind of the flex spots. You might see more Spell Pierces, because Spell Pierce also is an answer for both um, you know Counterbalance and Planeswalkers like Liliana, which can uh, ruin you know, a day of a Nimble Mongoose. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of the, the flex spots. It's interesting that he went for the 1-3 the split. Uh, and then the one of Counterspell, that's that's kind of interesting to me. You don't see it all that often out of Rug Delver, but it's not completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. 
the other card I kind of want to talk about are the four stifle. Now, Jerry, like th- so, this obviously is set up to do well against a deck, a deck like Ant. But mm-hmm. um, the stifle is this basically mana denial for this deck? Yeah. So th- what this deck does beautifully well and absolutely brutally, which is why it was such a dominating force when it was the best deck in the meta, mm-hmm. is because it shuts down their opponents really well while pecking them uh, uh, with a Delver of Secrets. So their ideal turn is turn one Delver of Secrets, uh, turn two flip Delver of Secrets, protect it uh, with a with a brainstorm, you know, use days to protect it and, you know, stifle their opponent's mana, wasteland their mana. Once they get a Delver of Secrets in play, they do everything they can to prevent their opponent from resolving a spell and then choking them off mana so they can't play any more spells. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the deck does really, really well. Uh, it's one of the best mana denial decks in Legacy for the early game. Now, when Del- when Rug Delver loses is when their oppo- your opponents are ab- able to break out of that that lock and you know answer the Delver secrets and make some vital land drops uh, before the Rug Delver player can reestablish. Hmm. Okay. Um, so the other card that we see in the main deck is One Winter Orb. Which yes. I think this is really neat. Um, it's a it's a card that I love playing against a deck like Miracles. I think they have a hard time playing mm-hmm. against Winter Orb. Um, other like real, man, decks that really, run really tight on mana have a hard time against it. A deck like Eldrazi has a hard time against Winter Orb. And I mean, this may be a small meta call because in this in this um, top eight alone, he faced against uh, two Eldrazi Aggro decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it could just been a, a you know this is from uh, I think over in Europe actually this uh, this this top eight was, but um, he's running one Winter Orb in the main, and then actually two more in the side. So is this a hedge against uh, Deck Like Miracles, first and foremost? Yeah, definitely. So we started seeing Winter Orb creep into the Rug Delver sideboards uh, probably about six months ago, and then this is the first list I've actually seen where it's made the jump main deck. And, you know, Winter Orb's just very, very good against uh, these greedy mana decks like you know miracles lands can have trouble with winter orb um but it's really winter orb doesn't really hurt rug delver that much because rug delver is a deck designed to operate off of one mana Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you look at the curve in rug delver it's one of the lowest curves in in all of legacy yeah i really like it's very aggressive very, very aggressive. So it doesn't care that it can only untap one mana per turn because all of its stuff casts, uh, costs one mana to cast. And then if they're using their lands like Wasteland uh, to waste any, say their opponent's trying to build their mana base up to cast a three drop, you use Wasteland and knock them off of that ma- that mana they're storing. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Stifle, uh, you know, getting rid of any fetch lands that they try and use to, uh, you know, get break the lock. Yeah. So... Rug Delver is a deck that can operate under low mana requirements very e- uh, or low mana restrictions very easily. Yeah, I mean, certainly with the exception of Counterspell and Tarmogoyf, I mean, the entire main deck is all one drops. I mean, obviously Winter Orb is a two drop, but really everything else is a one drop. I mean, Dismember, you're casting for one. Days, you're casting for free. So that's a really good point that it only needs one or two mana to function perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, which is actually which is why the Counterspell took me aback is because you know. Rug Delver tries to run as many one drops as possible. Mm-hmm. If it's running a two drop, it's a damn good two drop. Yeah. Um, like one two drop I've seen usually in the sideboard of Rug Delver is Life from the Loam. Mm-hmm. Because if you can just get that Wasteland lock, it's, it just destroys a lot of opponents. Hmm. Um, Alright, so kind of going into the sideboard, we don't. I mean, this isn't as important, but we can just kind of run down to, to know what we're facing against. Two Ancient Grudge, three Pyroblast, a Seal of Fate, which I don't really understand why that's in there. It's a one-mana enchantment, Sacrifice Seal of Fate, Seal of Fate de- deals two damage to our creature or player. Oh, Seal of Fire? A Seal of Fire, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, So, it's interesting to see, well, I guess he would bring in the other Tarmogoyth, but it's, uh, it's for Tarmogoyth, so... It's a removal spell that pumps your Tarmogoyf because okay. it, it's because it's an enchantment. Okay, interesting. Um, so also, I mean, they can leave it on board. They can deploy it when they have some extra mana, um, and just have it sit there. But yeah, I would just say it's it's to get the Tarmogoyf to do one point of damage more. Interesting. Uh, a spell pierce, two submerge, a surgical, uh, an extra Tarmogoyf, two True Nemesis, and two more Winter Orbs. So. Really going all in on the Winter Orb plan. Yeah, Winter Orb. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. 
So really interesting. Um, this is a deck that I haven't played um, like with, and I actually think I might put it together because I have most of these cards, with the exception of the Tarmogoyfs oh, yeah. and a couple <laughs> that- of Trops. Oh man, that's that's surprising just because I'm I, I'm like scarred by Rug Delver. <laughs> like it's such an omnipresent. I haven't really I haven't really missed it. I haven't <laughs> I haven't noticed its lack in the meta. <laughs> now uh, now I have to kind of think back to the uh, to the event, but I think I think that John Hogan, who actually took down the um, the TJ's event, was on Rug Delver. Mm-hmm. Um, I can actually pull up his list right now. We can actually, actually, maybe we can talk about that top eight there because that was pretty neat. Um, I'm sorry, he was not on. He was on a bug, like a bug Delver list. I, I was mistaken. Um, he was running for Stifle and Main, so that's what kind of made me think of it. But um, yeah, so John Hogan took it down. Um, he was running like a bug Delver deck uh, with four Death Rites, four Delver Secrets, three Dark Confidants, four Tarmogoyfs, and a Click in the Main. Um, Chris Stitson came in second. He was on the Miracles list. I'm not even going to go through that. Uh, no one's talking about Miracles. <laughs> poor Miracles players. I mean, not poor Miracles players because they're Miracles players, but poor Miracles players. <laughs> um, Tim- Timothy O'Dowd, uh, top forward. He was playing, uh, looks like Maverick, Deathrite Shaman, Gaddick Teague, Knight of the Royal Aquary, Mother of Runes, Kasali Pride Mage, Scavenging Ooze, Scrib Ranger. That's what's, Maverick, right? Wait, what's Renegade Rallyer? Is that um, a new card? That sounds like something from... Uh, yeah, it's from Aether Revolt. Yeah, why don't you read that card, Jerry? Oh, I don't know if I've paid attention. Oh, it's this card. So it's one green and a white for a human warrior, 3-2. Pretty good stats. Uh, when Renegade Rallyer enters the battlefield, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, return target permanent card with converted mana cost two or less from your oh, graveyard to the battlefield. Really cool. So for three yep. mana, you get to bring it on the field and return. So if you, for instance, um, uh, fetch, if you go to fetch and then you play this guy, you get to return a two mana creature to the to the board, which includes, let's see here, is it two mana or less? Uh, two mana or less. And then, so... is that creature or just a permanent target permanent. Oh wow, yeah, that's really interesting. Any permanent so, returns lands. Gite, Sylvan Library, Sword of Fire and Ice, um, Tireless Tracker, Thalia. Actually, a lot of these. I think they almost all get. Oh in there. my god! Know what I want to do because it also triggers revolt. Is ca- wasteland my opponent? Cast this guy. Return wasteland to play. Oh, wasteland ooh. them again. Wait, is it non-land permanent? <laughs> No, just uh, target permanent. Return target permanent card. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is cool. That got some spice. That is neat. Oh, man. So that so it's a one-of in the deck, but that seems really neat to me. And the 3-2 body isn't too bad. Yeah. I remember not being super impressed when I first saw him, uh, but I kind of like him in that context. And I think it's telling that, you know, uh, Tim is running four Knight of the Reliquary, one Renegade Rallyer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Knight of the Reliquary is still your three drop of choice just because it wins the game. Right. But I do think Renegade Rallyer is uh, a pretty sweet card that you yeah. can use nice tricks with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, Jason Grigley, who I played uh, in the Swiss, he top forward as well. He was playing um, Omni Show. Um, let's see. William Moore was in the top eight. And he was on. It looks like another. Um, Maverick deck. Uh, Kasali Pride Mage, Gaddick Teague, Scavenging Goose, Scrib Ranger, Noble Hierarch, Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, another another Maverick deck. Jerry, what is the what is the hallmark of a Maverick deck? If someone goes turn one X or turn two X, what are you looking for in that to, to identify that it's Maverick? Because that's a deck I've never actually played against. Uh, probably fetch for a Savannah Mother of Ruins. Okay. If, like, that's probably the most blatantly telling <laughs> turn one's uh, Maverick play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, Maverick's one of those decks that's not super easy to spot right off the bat because a lot of its plays can easily be disguised as something else. Yeah, you can go buy, he can go, I mean, for hell, he can go buy you uh, Deathrite Child and you can think he's on Elves. Right, or another play that they like doing is uh, Windswept Teeth for uh, Dryad Arbor. Yeah. Now, the fact that they're sacking Windswept Teeth would maybe point me in the direction of 
uh, of Maverick, but there's plenty, you know, elves. It could just be an elves player yeah. running some, you know, cheaper fetch lands. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why elves couldn't run Winds Up Teeth because it fetches all their relevant lands. It fetches the forest. It fetches bayous. I mean, yeah, that's all exactly. they really need. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, Noah Walker, again, he was on that. Um, he, I lost to him in my win it in. Uh, he was running a really cool Grixis list um, with Deathrite Shamans, uh, four Snapcaster Mage, four Baleful Strix, uh, Vendillion Click, uh, three Fatal Push, which uh, obviously were doubled up by all the Snapcasters he was able to, to play, two Abrupt Decay, two Coligans Command, which I don't normally see, one Knight's Whisper, which I'm not, I'm not even sure what exactly that is. Um, let's look it up, actually. Cause, do you know what that is off the top of your head, Jerry? Knight's Whisper, Whisper isn't that like one in a black do two damage, gain two life, or something like that. Uh, yeah, one in a black sorcery. You draw two cards and lose two life. Oh, that's draw two cards and lose two life. That's what it was. Okay. Um. Wait, what deck was running that? Uh, it was like a, it's like a bug list. That's interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, Grixis list. So he's running like drops, volcanoes. Oh, that's Noah Walker's list. Yeah, that's what I played what? against him. Yeah, it was a very spicy <laughs> list to play uh, in round six. Yeah, that's like I play that in it's sick and uh, limited. Like Nice Whisper is one of my favorite limited cards, but damn, did not expect to see that in Legacy. <laughs> yeah, he beat me. He beat me in the Swiss. It was uh, it was an interesting interesting deck to play against. The Snapcasters kind of took me off guard. I was not expecting to see Snapcaster. Fatal push. Um, he was also running like Liliana the Veil and Jace the Mind Sculptor in the main, so it was a it was an interesting deck. Um, Lou Anthony was on a Painter Servant deck. Um, looks like red black Painter Servant, red black, blue, yeah, like a Grixis Painter Servant list because uh, he's got Tezra in the main. Um, and Andrew Holt was on uh. uh uh, death and taxes here, so actually a pretty cool top eight there with two Maverick players, which was I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, back to it. Uh, back to what we're talking about. Don't lose sight of the big picture, like we just did. <laughs> <laughs> what um, are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about card choices, and then we started talking about Canadian threshold, and then we went into the. Uh, uh, Titanium Plus event at in Worcester. And, and now. Top eight. Now I'm buying Russian Renegade Rallyers. How did I get here? <laughs> well, now we're back to the uh, now we're back to the show notes. They're only um, a dollar. <laughs> uh, most importantly, and I know you you know this, Jerry. It's it's very important to be as unbiased as possible. Like pet cards are great, um, and they're fun to play. But if your goal is to win, the correct card is what's most important, right? Uh, say yes, Jerry. Because for someone who says top eight or bust, someone, we're talking about uh, brewing a bunch of decks with accumulated knowledge. <laughs> right, but you always say top eight or bust, right? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you have you have a brewer streak in you, Jerry, but you're a spike at heart. It's true. It's true. It's that's, true. That's, they're not running white in. <laughs> Uh, so, did, Jerry, did you add this note with the new Alluren tech? Yeah, so Ooh. Jeff brought this to my attention. Uh, this is some sweet new Alluren tech. Right, let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find it. Is it? Are we talking about Leovold? Find, find the, find the spice. <laughs> yes, I like. This is my favorite part of the show. Uh, it seems to me like it's Leovold. Uh, nope. Keep guessing. Oh, really? I Leovold's definitely interesting. It's an addition. Uh, but I feel any deck that can play Leovold is playing Leovold right now. <laughs> is it Marsh Casualties? Um, or is this? A, is, are we talking about a deck? I think ta- these are all. I've seen these all in this deck. Really? Because one card's so. brand new. All right, one tell me what we're talking about. One card is standard legal. Uh, what card is standard legal here? Do you give up? Oh, Glitness Crane. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought I've heard. I thought I've heard of this before. Glitness Crane is one in the blue for a one-three creature bird. Uh, it has flying. When Glitness Crane, Elbridge. yes, as they should. Uh, when Glitness Crane enters plus, the battle, plus it's type ostrich. That's or or dodo. <laughs> I wonder if there's a penguin. I wonder there might be a penguin. I, I don't know. Birds, Jerry. Uh, there's got to be a penguin. <laughs> when Glitness Crane enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of them on the bottom in any order. 
So what is why is that good here? So it's replacing recruiter because he can get Charlotte's agent, parasitic Strix, uh, baleful Strix with it. Exactly. So glint nest crane is a blue and a colorless. It's not white like imp. Uh, what is it? Imperial recruiter? No, Imperial recruiter is the red one, and recruiter of the guard is the, the white, one. white one. Right. Both of those are not green, black, or blue. So it requires a Lurin traditionally to play a fourth color, which can cause some constraints on its mana. Glintnest Crane uh, streamlines the deck, uh, and what it does is it comes into play, uh, and you can look at the top four cards of your library, and you either try and find Baleful Strix or Shardless Agent. If you don't find it, you use Cavern Harpy to bounce the glint nest crane and then you basically get to pay one life to recast glint nest crane keeping in mind you have an alert in play right now which means all your creatures under three are free and instant speed mm-hmm. so you're doing this at instant speed glint nest crane for one life basically lets you look four cards deeper into your library um so it's like pay one life impulse pay one life impulse <laughs> oh, really interesting actually yeah, until you find uh, either Charlotte's Agent, when you can just start doing the same thing but cascading through your deck, or Baleful Strix and just start straight drawing cards off the top of your deck. Oh. Until finally you find the kill card, which is Parasitic Strix, which lets you do the exact same thing, only instead of drawing cards, now you're draining your opponent for two. So you're paying one life, drain for two. Paying one life, drain for two. That is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool, uh, and it, it definitely streamlines the Alluren deck. Uh, and not to mention, Glintness Crane is probably a whole lot cheaper than either Recruiter. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, Glintness Crane is basically free. Pretty sure, pretty sure stores will pay you to take this card off their hands. Let's see if there's any Russian ones. <laughs> you don't want to play Alluren, Jerry. That's a that's a pauper. I have all the pieces of Alluren. <laughs> it doesn't make it worth putting together. <laughs> Ah, uh, there's Russian available. <laughs> uh, do I buy Germans? Hmm. Uh, all right. So, uh, Jerry, do you want to uh, talk about the shirts again this week? Because I think this is the last week they'll be available, correct? Yeah, last week we got a bunch of different styles up. I think there's like between the different all the different types. I think there's like 20 colors you can choose from. That's amazing. Uh, different styles. Like, there's there's women's shirts as well. Yeah, women's shirts as well. There's, uh, you know, dark colors with light letters. There's uh, light colors with dark letters. Um, so lots to choose from. Get at it. It's probably, by the time this episode comes out, there will, it's probably only like three days left. Mm-hmm. It ends on the 22nd. Right, which is... That is Wednesday. So this will release on Monday. Jerry, you're right. Two days left. Two days. Awesome. Very exciting stuff. The shirts look awesome. You did a great job. They're a little different um, design than last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this design, actually. It's a, it's a little bit brighter. I love the white lettering. It's going to stand out uh, really nicely. I love the colors. Uh, remember, so there's a, a set of colors for white letters, a set of colors for the black lettering. So oh, yeah. So there's colors with the black lettering. <laughs> look in the white lettering. There's two links. Uh, apparently, a lot of people had uh, trouble with that. Because right. I, well, that's, I didn't understand <laughs> why you had two links. I'm like, why Teespring would you let me Teespring wouldn't let me merge them. It, it sees it as a different. Uh, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about no, you, it. <laughs> Jerry, you did good, man. You did good. You did good. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pumped. So what are the chances you're going to be wearing that nice shirt, Jerry, and joining us in Vegas? <laughs> I don't know. After today, <laughs> looks better each and every day. Uh, you know what the gall was? Uh, my, my boss sent an email saying, uh, good luck getting home. See you bright and early tomorrow. He oh, worked geez. from home today. He worked what, from home. <laughs> what a douche. He's like, you have to go in. I'm going to work from home, though. Oh, man. <laughs> to be the boss, am I right? Yeah, and then said, see you bright and early tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get out of here, um, just want to say, you know, if it, I hope that this, the main topic is able to help you guys today. Um, again, this is my thought process when I'm going down making choices as far as uh, cards in my decks. Um, I will probably write a, write an article about this, actually, because uh, we didn't really have enough time to, to as much as I... Oh, man. I really love Blue-Red Delver, and I could talk about it for hours, so I don't think that this cast is a good place for that. But I will write about it in a little bit longer form if people are interested. Uh, I'll let you guys know where to find it. 
Um, but I think that the um, the pillars here of, of the thought process stand on their own. It's kind of like the uh, scientific method, right? Yeah, sort exactly. Of, sort of something like that. We're um, scientists. Yeah, of course. Totally scientists. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, so, Jerry, if someone wants to get a hold of you, man, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on the Facebook group, um, all over that. Uh, I'm also uh, pretty active now on the Show and Tell uh, Facebook group. Can so. you send me that link? Because I tried to add it in the show notes last week and couldn't uh, find that group. You know, we're, we're very exclusive, Pat. We don't really want you. I don't want to uh, it, but I wanted to <laughs> let people know where they can find it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyone can join. Uh, just uh, you know, send an invite, and just if you like talking about show and tell decks, that's the place to do it. Uh, so yeah, we will we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, unlike Josh Cio's uh, deck list, which was never put in the show notes, as people <laughs> complained to me. <laughs> but yes, no, I did not do. I couldn't find. Actually, I did try to find it, and I could not find it. True, true. Uh, but good thing is Josh hopped on the Facebook group. So if you're wondering about Josh's deck list from last week's episode, uh, he posted it up on the Facebook group. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you can find me at Pat Uglo on Twitter, um, twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. You can find me on the Facebook group as well. I'm on there an obscene amount of time throughout the day. So uh, <laughs> uh, you can also find me on the source as well under the same username, Pat Uglo. Um, Jerry, you have a, uh, a die you want to roll? Or actually, no, let's get into scoops first. I'm sorry. You, the second week in a row, you just want to scoot, skip it, it those It kills scoops. me because I have it written down in what order I'm doing it, and I still fuck it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> Life finds a way, Jerry. Um, so. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, the main, the person I want to scoop in this week, I think we probably both want to do it this week, uh, Jason Grigley put together a sizable order for uh, the three of us, uh, through Hararuya. Mm-hmm. To save on some shipping costs, uh, we bought a lot of Japanese cards this week. Yes, got to have those foreign language cards. Absolutely, absolutely. I, fi- I finally got my foreign language city of traders, Pat. I'm so excited. Oh, you did? I did. Which uh, what language did you get it in? Uh, Japanese. I wanted yeah. Korean, but those are just literally impossible to find. <laughs> the Japanese ones are sick, dude. The ja- I yeah. love the Japanese cards. I thunderous wrath someone with a Japanese card, and they had to get the uh, <laughs> the text on it. It was pretty great. <laughs> Uh, I I kind of wanted to go abolish status and uh, buy that seven thousand dollars city of traders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually a fun bit of history. I don't know how many people know about those because I learned about them probably like four or five years ago. Um, is have you have you seen them before, Pat? The foil city of traders is that the one where there's only actually one place out of them. It's not quite that rare, but there are only a handful of playsets in existence in the world. So when the Wizards was printing Exodus, they were thinking about doing uh, the um, foiling process. Uh, Urza's Des- wait, no, sorry, let's go back here. We're gonna okay. rewind. We're gonna rewind that. Hold on. <laughs> what set is City of Traders? Yeah, it is Exodus. Okay, so. Um, yeah, so when Wizards was first printing Exodus, they were testing the foiling process that would ultimately be, you know, uh, debuted in Urza's uh, Destiny, I believe it was. Either Legacy or Destiny, doesn't really matter. Um, so they printed uh, the City of Traders as foil test prints. And they ran them through a bunch of different tests. So they, like, exposed them to sunlight for long hours. Uh, they, you know, put acetone on them. Uh, there's a really famous ones, which are called, like, the Melted City of Traders, where they expose them to super high heat. And uh, the foiling process basically, like, slagged off the card, so they look like Dali paintings now. <laughs> oh, sick. Um, but they're super rare. There's only a handful of them around. And depending on which one they are... Uh, uh, depends on how, you know what their price is going. I've seen them go for anywhere from two thousand to forty grand, depending Jeez. on the version. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, and I've never seen them personally, but I hear there are uh, tournament legal ones because they have the back. Uh, a lot of these test prints ones are just the front of the card. There's no back to it. It's just a plain white back. Um, so I've never seen them personally because I bet they're super rare. But apparently there are some playable ones out there. The only card that's super rare that was insanely expensive that I've ever actually wanted to buy 
was that summer magic underground sea that we saw at TV Columbus. <laughs> it kills me with a summer. I'm colorblind, so I can't even tell. Like, I look oh, at a summer man. magic dual land, and I'm just like, what's the big deal? Dude, it is like, <laughs> I, I can't even describe how beautiful that card is. And I, I, you know me, I don't really, like, go all out on cards. And that is a card that was like, I think they wanted, like, was it those like ten grand or something like that for the car? Or it was something insane like that. I'm like, oh, my wife would kill me, but it might be worth it. <laughs> I'm living honey, in the car, but I got this card. Honey, honey, it's art. <laughs> we can't actually frame it because I need to play it. <laughs> Gotta shuffle up my Dali paintings. Yes. Uh, so uh, definitely want to scoop in uh, Jason to top eight for uh, putting that order together for us and uh, dealing with a few. Um, Last minute changes here and there, so uh, just give him the scoops. Jerry, got anyone special this week? Uh, I mean, definitely Jason. Uh, Jeff for sharing that uh, sweet alluring list, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it, it this week. Uh, you know, I'm gonna scoop in Dominic as well from the Facebook group. He uh, took my blue red Delver list out um, to uh, local GP, I think um, GP New Jersey, maybe. Uh, I uh, yeah, I think that was the GP. That um, was... But he had just posted it. He, so I'm going to, yeah, GP New Jersey. He took out the Blue Red Delver list. Um, he didn't do too well with it, but uh, we'll, we're going to talk about it a little bit. He, I think he hit some rough matchups anyway, but um, he, I was excited to see that he took the list out. I hope you enjoyed playing it. Um, all right, Jerry, you got a, uh, a die to roll, my friend? I do, I do. I'm breaking out a new die today. We haven't rolled this one yet, so maybe, maybe we'll give us some luck. We're only down to 28 songs left in this, so we need to, uh, people need to request more because we're getting real close to not having enough to do a D20. You don't want us doing the D6. Eight songs. <laughs> uh, here we go. I hope we get I Just Had Sex by Lonely Island. That'd be very fitting. Is it number two? It's not number two. Number two is... The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M., which is a great oh, song. That is a good song. Wow, we're, we got Wagon Wheel last week, End of the World by R.E.M. this week. It's it's going well. That nice job, good. Ben Gardner. <laughs> yeah, Ben. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, uh, I, I think that does it for us, man. Yeah, does it all right. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I feel like you started, <laughs> you started the thought and you couldn't finish it. <laughs> I was just putting the die back in the bag, and then I just, you know, I got a night bus. You got real night bus. Night bus. Uh, that's a throw. That's a callback, man. We haven't, we've been talking about night bus since Adrian was on. Night bus is always. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I hope everyone has a great Monday, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, play us out with something sweet.
Unless they're banks, birthday party, cheesecake.